0: Hello and welcome to episode 479 of Fergie on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew RLP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate?
1: I'm going pretty well, Andrew, the real deal Ferguson. How have you been? Reeling and dealing.
0: Excellent. Not in that order. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do everything in alphabetical order.
1: Okay, okay. I uh, I just thought of something then that I cannot say. Um, Must be interesting when you used to go out on dates. Um, Yep. (laughs) uh, Yep. Some sad news today with the loss of Tina Turner, hey?
0: Yeah. I don't know. A lot of people probably think it's a bit weird that rugby league's attaching itself to to Tina Turner and... um, her involvement in the game, but I don't think a lot of people outside of the game recognise how much of a insanely huge impact she had on transforming the way the game was seen by the wider public because up until prior to her um, involvement in the game, it was basically adult men watching lots of adult other adult men bashing the shit out of each other in the middle of mud. Mm. Um, And sometimes the football would arrive. Yeah. And not just... She didn't just make it... um, She basically made rugby league mainstream more than it ever had been before. Yeah. It stopped being a niche thing. Um, But then it got women into the game. It made the game popular. She gave it this... Almost a, a global appeal, I guess, in some sense. But not because rugby league was global then because it really wasn't but because she was
1: yeah and i think it, it like the marketing campaign which was genius at like even if that come out right now people would be like this is unbelievably good you know mm. whoever did this nailed it um and so you go back to when it happened it was amazing And then on top of that, it it sort of occurred just as the game moved into what you and me consider the modern era, which is when they brought in the 10 metre rule and all that sort of stuff. And we're starting to look at expansion and and all that sort of thing. And it was just a whole lot of things come together at the right time where the game was able to be um, enjoyed by the wider public. And she helped push it into, as you say, out of being like a niche sport. Um, even though it was the more popular sport in Sydney than all the other sports, but it, it, it moved it into a different level. And, uh, and I mean, the, the marketing campaigns, they haven't been beaten.
0: No, God, no. Um, and like everyone remembers when she did, um, you know, simply the best, but there was also, um, what was it? What you get is what you
1: see. What you get is what you see. Yeah. I I feel like that was the first one, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, and then the simply the best would come after that.
0: Yeah. You know what's really good mm-hmm. that I would like to attach to Tina Turner? This is going to sound like I'm making a joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's not a joke about Tina at all, mm-hmm. just a correlation in timelines. Mm-hmm. Ever since her involvement in the game, mm-hmm. has never won a premiership.
1: Yeah, that's true. Hey, right at the end. Who was the first Premiers? On her, Did she
0: was it 87 or 88? Or was it 89?
1: It's a good question. It'd, I,
0: it'd th- be, I think I it might th- have been
1: 89. You yeah, reckon it was 89? It wasn't manly,
0: manly of 87? No, I
1: don't know. Um,
0: what's that? I'm having a look on here. The 1989 really- What You Get Is What You See campaign. There you go. So, so
1: it's cause, Canberra. so okay, because we we remember when she did simply the best, and she was uh, she was celebrating with the Broncos. Yeah. Uh, everyone, so, well, it's
0: because she did simply the best. She revamped it every year for three years.
1: Yeah. So, I, I, I remember years ago saying that uh, I can't remember if I wrote an article about it on my site or not, saying that the best marketing campaign they could do, and if it cost three million bucks, they should do it would have been to get Beyonce to sing Simply the Best um, and do that as the NRL marketing campaign. I don't think yeah. it would resonate
0: as much now, but that's what they should do. Something along those lines, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it was 1989, what you get is what you see, and then in 1990 was Simply the Best. Mm-hmm. 1991, she... I don't think they read it in 91. They redid it in 92 because she came out, I think. Mm. And she was at the grand final with the Broncos? Yeah, yeah, she was, yeah. And then 1993, she re recorded it with Jimmy Barnes. Okay. And then they moved away from that the following year. And they went into a bunch of really stupid ideas after that.
1: Yeah, then we went, then we got into Super League and that was. Yeah, that was. Then the game marketed against itself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I we had Thomas Keneally reading poetry. Oh, don't! God, that oh, was bad. That's so bad. Yeah. How, how, that's, how do you go from having the greatest advertising campaign the game's ever seen, like nothing's come close to it since? Yeah, yeah. But how do you go from that to having the worst one you've ever seen in I, such I, a short period of time? Because it
1: costs nothing. I tell you <laughs> two things, right. The Thomas Keneally line would have cost very little at the most, right? But then they had the year where they said we're not doing any marketing and then the Trent Barrett speech, which we still haven't found anywhere. Um, and that was terrible. That was the worst one, I think. And then the the blow that whistle ref, which I can see where he was coming from, but it just didn't work. Yeah. Um. And then, I mean, some of the ones – during the Super League War, we had the two tribes go to war. One, which was Super League, and then uh, the ARL had it's it's my game. Yeah, and then we the had the... jo- What did you think of the Tom Jones one? The Tom Jones one wasn't bad. What a game! Remember that one?
0: Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I, I never liked it when they took an actual song. Mm. and change the lyrics to make it footy-related because it sounded so cheap and shit. But what
1: about the when they did the Huru Gu- Hoodoo Gurus yeah, one? Yeah, that's that another pretty-
0: one. Oh, no, it wasn't too bad. It, yeah. it kind of fit a little bit better, but it still yeah. went... Nah. Yeah. If you're going to get someone to come out and they're going to do a song for Rugby League, it's just got to be a song that they do that is much more universal and isn't just 100% rugby league related. Mm-hmm. You want that song to go global mm-hmm. and rugby league is attached to that train. You don't want the train to be rugby league because it won't go global. People are going to listen to it going, why are they talking about try? I don't get triers. What? Huh? Yeah. No, yeah. You don't need that. That's why Tina Turner stuff worked. It was her songs. Everyone loved them around the world. You didn't have to be into rugby league to understand what she was singing about. Mm -hmm. You didn't even even have to know that they were attached to rugby league. But her being involved with it meant that she would help promote it as she went around and do stuff like that. And that's how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. It was... When you you start fucking around with songs and lyrics, stuff like that, and try and make them do it rugby league related, it's just corny and crap.
1: Yeah. I agree. I I just think that every few years they should just do... Simply the best and, and yeah, get get a female, you know, recording artist to do it. I don't know. And like not someone from fucking twenty years ago or something. Like don't get Britney Spears or something stupid like that. Like get a current one.
0: Like Christina Guillio. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm thinking I'm thinking Doja Cat.
0: I don't know what you're
1: talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about either. Andrew, but <laughs> I've heard the name Doja Cat.
0: Right, I might
1: right. be saying it wrong as well.
0: <laughs> In the, at the risk of sounding old, we, <laughs> mo- we might move forward. But um, before we do, yeah, absolutely, Vi- Violates Tina Turner. Um, yeah.
1: Did you have to do? Did you have to dance to the Nut Bush? No, no. In high school, we had to dance to the Nut Bush. Really? Yeah. So, it's a good song, but it, yeah, last um, thing we wanted to do was
0: dance in school. Uh, I'm, I'm male and I'm rural, so I can't dance.
1: Yeah, well, look, I'm a dude. I don't, I don't dance. I so
0: that's what people in the Western Sydney did. No, we don't dance. Don't dance. You just loiter around train stations. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. Moving on, moving on. Mm-hmm. What, what should we go into? We've got a few things we wanted to touch on. Should we
1: should we talk about origin first and get that Let, out of
0: the way? Let's, let's do that. Let's do okay. that because that seems like it might be something important that people want to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but that pause, I'll be honest, was intentional because <laughs> we were saying before uh, the episode started how, I don't know, Origin's been talked about, kind of, nowhere near as much as it had been in previous seasons. Mm. I like remember in pretty much every previous year, by the time round three starts, we're talking, you know, all the media's gone about who's going to play on Origin this year.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're like, oh, go, you just shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that kind of held off a little bit. Um, it just feels like there's not a great deal of hype around Origin this year. Is that just me?
1: I personally feel the same. I've I haven't taken in too much rugby league media over the last couple of weeks, so I think that there's probably some of that. I thought that it was interesting to look at the teams. The Queensland team, there was real, no real surprises for me. The, the media started going off about Ponga not getting selected, and I didn't understand that. Like Reese Walsh was, you know, what he should have been one of the first picked. He's been sensational, and Ponga has had like. You know, twenty good minutes this season, and probably last season as well. Um, I was surprised Campbell Graham didn't get selected, and then they, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle about they picked him as eighteenth man, and then he left the he left the the team camp, and he, he basically he's going to be available for Souths. It seems like in their next game, so people yeah. like why has he left? And
0: there's something about him being injured.
1: Yeah, well, apparently he. he I, can't, I think he has like a rib injury or something. And so he doesn't train too much during the week at the moment. And the idea was that he wouldn't be able to do the training for New South Wales. And then he's going to have to probably sit out the game anyway because he's the 18th man. And so he went back to his club basically. And, you know, he's going to play for South in their next game. So And I had no problems with that. But a lot of people were not too happy about that for some reason. I just thought it was common sense.
0: Yeah, I, I would have had Campbell Graham down as one of the first pick players, to be honest. He's been Me too. so remarkably good this year. And to hear that he was behind Tom Trabojevic in the back line, mm. I mean, Tom's just been nowhere. Yeah, it's crazy. He had one good
1: game this year, and he, they put him in. And, I mean, Campbell Graham's been amazing going back to last year. And he yeah. just keeps on getting better and better. And we've got this... New South Wales have these big, strong, young, um, very good defensive specialist centre who is just gets better and better in tack, it seems, every game. And we didn't pick him. So, you
0: know, I don't get it. It seems utterly stupid. The mm. um, yeah, other thing, too, is I heard that with uh, Campbell Graham leaving and opened up a spot for a 20th man and that was Blake Braley. but because he's 20th man he's been like he he gets to go along and basically watch the game but he's no chance of playing mm-hmm. but it was interesting to see that they named um Blake not because I don't think he's good enough to be there I think he's been playing pretty bloody well the last few seasons
2: mm.
0: but it means that in my mind it means they're basically looking at Blake as being the backup to Carswell not Damian Cook yeah,
1: yeah, and like I, I think that moves like that, where you bring in players that are on the edge of of playing state of origin, bringing them into the environment, get them used to it. I think that's a really good move. Absolutely. Um, so it, it is interesting. I mean, Cook's been pretty good this year. Uh, has been outstanding. Is I think it's been Correia's best season ever so far. Good so. Course.
0: I'd say the first two or three games he was testing where his place was and how the game went, how it worked around him. And then he basically realised that it wasn't working with everybody else because he's not in a team like Penrith, obviously. So he's been more on the front foot and leading from the front. And that's taken so much pressure off Brooks and... It's seen the Tigers improve a fair bit. The one thing is he has helped with, because everyone is distracted by what Caruso has been doing in attack, and rightfully so. He's been doing some great stuff there. But what he has done is he's helped shore up that defense of the Tigers in the middle.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Because that's the one thing people haven't mentioned yet. The Tigers are one of the top eight defensive sides in the comp. Think Mm -hmm. about that. That's fucking crazy.
1: It is insane. Um...
0: So he's, he's worked hard in that area there, keeping the middle together when it comes mm-hmm. to defence, um, and that's a huge thing for um, Origin. So it's not a bad thing. Should I go through the teams? Yeah, go for it, go for it. All right, for Queensland, they've got Reese Walsh at fullback, on the wings, Selwyn Cobbo and Murray Lungi. centres, Valentine Holmes and Hamaso Tabuwa Fidea, halves are Munster and Cherry Evans. The props are Flegler and Collins, Ben Hunt is hooker, Back rows: David Fafita, Tom Gilbert, Patrick Carrigan at lock. And on the bench is Harry Grant, Tino, Far Asama, Lua, Ruben Cotter, Jai Arrow. And the extras are Tom Dearden and Christian Welch. Tedesco's at fullback. back. The wingers are Brian Tuo oh and Josh Carr, Centres, Latrell Mitchell, Tom Trebojevic. Harves, Jerome Lua, Nathan Cleary. The props, Tavita Pangoy Jr., Payne Haas, Cora at Hooker. Back row is Tyson Frizzell, Hudson Young, and Isa Yo at lock. Bench is Junior Paulo, Cameron Murray, Liam Martin, and Nico Hines. And the extras are Stephen Crichton and Stefano Utigamanu.
1: I can't believe that uh, Tyson Frizzell's in there. I think that's insane. And uh, yeah. Tevita Pengai Jr., I can understand where, I could understand if you picked him on the bench, and I think he'll start from the bench. Um, and have him as a bit of a wild card. And I can also see where New South Wales kind of have to roll the dice a little bit and hope that it works out. But he is a little bit of a, like he wasn't on my radar at all for for State of Origin. So, um, you know, at his best, he could break a game open. At
0: his worst, he could cost the game. Yeah. Frizzell, look, this has been his best season in several years. But it hasn't been Origin good. No, no. I I said um,
1: that. Uh, I said you just had to watch Newcastle over the last couple of years, and he's not their best forward at Newcastle. And I, I don't know if my tweet got picked up somewhere weird, but all of a sudden it was like two days later, a bunch of Newcastle fans got upset with me. Luckily, they were new for Newcastle fans, so I didn't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a, a very weird selection.
0: Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know. I think it's the size of him means that he can. He does tend to play a little bit more, a little bit tighter. He doesn't. He doesn't play too wide, and maybe that's what they're working on. But given that we've got Tyson Frizzell and Hudson Young up against um, David Fafita and Tom Gilbert, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not sure on Hudson Young. I don't think he's bad. Just. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's a big step up to Origin. I would guess there's one way to find out whether he's good good enough for it or not. He's like he reminds me of the sort of player that uh, it's like
1: Ryan Madison if he wasn't clutching his wallet
0: or his uh, or his tissues.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he's you know, I I understand that everyone that plays for Canberra is just a superstar. Just ask Canberra fans. But uh, yeah, he's I. I think he's just done all right forward. I don't think he's anything special, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah. Um, Nico Hines on the bench. I'm, I'm curious about that mm. because he's obviously good enough to play. Yes. But all the positions he does play are currently being taken by blokes who play 80-minute football. So yeah. I'm wondering I, what they're going to do with him. Well,
1: I, I wonder if they're going to –
0: I, like, is he going to come on and he's going to be basically defending in the lock sort of position, which is well not lock maybe back row because it's going to be closer to where he defends on the football field at, in the halves. Or
1: well, part of uh, me wonders if the the idea is that he'll come on and move into the five-eighth position and then they'll move Luai into hooker. When Coruscant isn't on the field, but that to me seems like you're you're changing a lot. That that's very Sheen's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that seems silly to me. So maybe Heinz would just be a straight switch with Coruscant, then. Possibly, or the other thing is, and it would be a it would be a a pretty a, a move that I haven't seen anyone talk about. But what if? Heinz, the whole idea is that Heinz is the 5'8", the starting 5'8", and that um Luai is the backup hooker. Because I think you and me both feel the same way, that Luai would be sensational as a hooker. Um, tick, Absolutely. Tick, yeah, tick all the boxes. Great playmaker, kicking out a dummy half, great defender. So he'd get that job done. That, to me, seems like the less me-
0: messy move. But mm. It, and, you, and that way, you, you do get to keep the combination with Cleary and Lua as well. It's just that it's working in reverse. Instead of mm, Cleary feeding Lua a ball more often than not, it'll yeah. be Luai feeding it to Cleary. But from dummy yeah. half. And
1: uh, you and me, you and watch that. The uh, I can't remember what game it was. It Might have been the quarter final in the World Cup where.
2: Yeah.
1: Where Lua, it somehow, at one point in the game. Was playing, he would play one play the ball as the hooker and one play the ball as the half back and 5'8 and was dominating the game. Yeah. too. It. it, was insane.
0: Absolutely was. Uh, so yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Probably will be a Heinz with a straight switch with with now. Uh or just uh, sorry with um. Lua going to nine. It's it's just you see how that's all that's all gonna work. Yeah. Um I mean Tom Travoy was just to me that's just the I I could probably justify Tyson Frazel more than Tom Triboyvich in this side. Only because yeah. I think Tom is playing like genuinely injured. When they played the Sharks a few weeks ago, he didn't even bother trying to keep up with Nakora when he made a break. Yeah. is a second rower. Yeah, He gave up on that chase so hard. And then there was another time when um, I think it might have been Katoa just stepped inside the winger to score in the out wide. And Tom was running across so fast, usually he'll run across and he will fill that gap between the winger and the centre. So that if there is a sidestep on, he's there to stop it. Mm-hmm. And he was just running across and he was unable to pull up and stop. And so by the time Katoa stepped inside and he got to the try line, Tom wasn't... He'd gone across the sideline. The winger was still on the field to play. I was like, what's, what's happened? It's like his knee, his knees aren't working or something. I don't know. He just He's unable to stop or change direction in a hurry. He's unable to get that power off the start. And just those two little things there. I don't know if it's something that should be a worry or not, but I think at origin level, you can't have that. And he's going to have, you know... He's on the side of the field with Selwyn Cobbo and Valentine Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holmes, he's not blistering fast, but he does he does have good strength through his legs. Mm-hmm. But you can't be weak defensively against him because he will b- bust through tackles. That's what he can do. And Cobbo is just a – he's fast and strong. Yeah. The, the other thing is
1: too, like with Campbell Graham – I remember when he was picked in the World Cup last year, and I was like, it's, prob- it, it's probably a little early for him, but we'll see how he goes. And he he was amazing in the World Cup. He was fantastic. Absolutely. And come out of the end of that World Cup being like, well, this guy is like a, a genuine test centre now. Um, and just, I didn't even think it would be a question that he'd be in this New South Wales side. Because he reminds me of... Um, the sort of centers that, like, Australian Rugby League rep teams used to have in the the late 80s, early 90s, the big, strong dudes, you know. And he's just the modern-day version of that. And you lose nothing in attack with him either. He's a fantastic attacking player. I I can't believe it. I can't believe he's going to be watching the game like the rest of us.
0: Yeah, it's it's genuinely wrong.
2: Mm, Yeah. Genuinely
0: wrong. Um other than that it's it's a reasonably strong side yeah um for the the queensland side mm, i I tell you what I really
1: like the balance of the queensland pack
0: it's it's not bad um yeah just for feeder just sticks out a little bit. Like, he you know does. how good he can be when he's playing great. I'd probably prefer to have him on the bench, to be honest, and Tino starting.
1: Oh, 100%. I think that will definitely happen.
0: Yeah. Because
1: um, Tino, I mean, Tino's
0: one of the top five players in the game, I reckon. Oh, yeah. You've, and you've got to have him on there, man, because yeah. he's damaging from start to finish.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a leader, too, up
0: front. Bloody eyes. Uh, And they could do with that. Uh, and that way you, you're getting to use Fafita in short spells, which mm. I think would be more beneficial. Yeah. 100%. So, right. You said what I was looking like. on the ropes a bit. Get Fafita on there. Mate, run it whoever you want. And you think he's going to be running at Hudson Young. That's his opposite number. And I think he's going to be on the same side of the field as Tom Trevojevic. So don't be surprised if he's running really wide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be for that reason to try and get her outside, Tom, or, may, or work Tom over, take him yeah. out of the game. I don't think you're going to see um, Queensland testing Luttrell a great deal. Because Luttrell and Tua are on that same side of the field. I don't think they're going to try and run over there too much. No. It's weird with Tua. To- oh.
1: I mean, I don't know how tall. He's got to be like five foot nine at the tallest. But and I've been thinking of this watching him the last few weeks. I don't think we've ever seen a player use his stature and what he has physically better than what Ta'o does. Because he like it's weird. Teams kick to him high and he doesn't get caught out ever. He's no. fantastic under the high ball. He's a fantastic defender. His reads in defence are brilliant. And he, I mean, he gets through so much work in attack. And he just uses his size and his stature so well. Like, so perfectly. It's it's really incredible. And, like, if him and Latrell get some sort of um, chemistry going, uh, that's a, just a nightmare.
0: All right, he's yeah. a he's the perfect winger for Latrell to work with because... Yeah. Um, he can just run a straight hard line, either coming back inside of Latrell if if Latrell's drifting to the edge, mm-hmm. or just running straight down the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great option there, man. It's that that's an exciting combination, and Tedesco's played with with Luttrell in those positions, you know, centre and fullback. So they're going to work t- together really well straight away. Mm-hmm. So it's. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of the New South Wales players going on that side, and the Queensland player we going to the other side,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and that's kind of how they've set the set the squads up. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, who would you pick in terms of what as the winner of this Origin one with these squads?
1: I I just I like the Queensland halves and I like the balance of their forward pack and bench rotation if they're forwards. I really like all of that. I think their back line outside of Reece Walsh is a little, not suspect, but just not as polished. Um, I'm surprised Gagai's not there. I think if he was there, I'd, I'd be I'd, I'd definitely pick uh, Queensland. Uh, the New South Wales team, I feel like if they win, it's because they've kind of jagged the win. I think that the better all-round team is Queensland.
0: Yeah, I think the middle of the field, up front, New South Wales is better. But getting wider or wider in the, yeah, I don't know. I think you're right though about the, the the Queensland spine for mine is a lot is is in better form.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's just they they're all veterans. They've played together a billion times. You yeah. know they know their roles. No one's working out what they've got to do this week for Queensland. They all know.
0: That's right. Um, so it, it'll be close. So I reckon New South Wales by ten.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say. And say New South Wales by 33
0: points. <laughs> is that field goal coming in the first half or second half?
1: That field goal is coming in the 77th minute. Beautiful, disrespectful. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, by what the else? way, it'll be the second field goal of the match. Oh, there'll be a two pointer. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because at oh, that nice. point, Nathan Cleary is just going to be playing with them, you know?
0: Yeah, he's just fucking around at this stage. Yeah, ice in his veins see his veins. Like a clutch. Boom. Um. All right. Now uh, there has been a bit of a pause. Um, Freaky had to go for a jog. He's on a massive health kick at the moment, and so it's been two days. So I think he made it all the way to Sydney and back. How are you feeling? What do you mean all the way to Sydney? I live in Sydney. No, you live in Penrith. Yeah, it's Sydney. In the same way that Wagga is Canberra. No, no, no. no. (laughs)
1: It's not Canberra. People in Wagga aren't a bunch of depressed political. I'll stop now. Yeah,
0: yeah. You probably should. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I had to go for a bit of a jog. I like to do a light jog. I know every morning I I do a light 8K run, and then I, I like to finish it off in the afternoon with a good 20, 22. Depends how I'm feeling. Yeah.
0: Casual. Yeah. Yeah. Do it comfortably. Yeah. Um yeah, we have had a bit of a pause there, so uh it's just to prepare for this next bit because it's big news. Mm-hmm. Um obviously we all know that the international rugby league has not been able to go ahead with the twenty twenty five World Cup in France. Um the International Rugby League had a full uh, interview article thing with Troy Grant earlier in the week. And they've asked him a bunch of questions here. One of them is addressing a question that we raised, but I'll go through some of the questions. Okay. And you tell me if you want to hear his answer to them. Okay. All right. So will the next World Cup retain the same 16 men's, women's wheelchair and youth team format as is planned for France?
1: Well, that's a pretty important question because obviously it can't.
0: Yeah. Um, the French government suggests, uh, said that it was a requirement that that took place. Okay. They wanted that to be there. Um, And basically they came... Is that what Troy Grant is saying, though? He said the four-genre World Cup was a requirement of the French government. They wanted to make sure that our tournament in 2025 was a sport for all with a particular focus on youth and also equality, and that the number of teams is equal across the disciplines. What does that mean? Uh, Isn't that what the kids call woke? But,
1: like, if it's equal... (laughs) Across all the disciplines. I- equal in what
0: way? Um, number of teams being represented. Well that's that was never gonna happen. Not sure that's what was gonna happen the thing is though, they mention here Yeah, retain the same sixteen men's, women's wheelchair and youth team formats, but they don't mention the um, physical disability rugby league world cup that also took place. Not at the same mm. time mind, but mm. it did also take place you know, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't mentioned that on here. He said he that is why it was such a huge, a large, ambitious project. Obviously, that size tournament with a limited time frame is probably unachievable at this time. So, a review of the size and scale will occur in July by the board, but no decisions have been made at this stage.
1: Well, look, it, it you can't run all of those World Cups at the same time and expect to run at a profit. You just can't. <laughs> well, it's a lovely idea.
0: It can't do it. I think the main reason why they do them together is because some governments are now giving extra funding to Women's Rugby League, as they should, um, and some are also open to providing funding for the disabled sports that are going on. Um, And so it's a way of, I suppose, tapping into that revenue stream. I know it probably sounds a bit cynical and stuff like that. It's not really... Um, because wheelchair rugby league's been going on for quite a long time, but hasn't really been generating much uh, income. Neither is the women's game either. So it's good that countries, a lot of countries, are donating more funds to support those two types of of, um, sports, not just rugby league, but, you know, women's sport and disability sports everywhere. So whether they were, you know, you're not really actively seeking that money. It's just now becoming more available, and so it's more money coming into the game via that method. So it's the reason why they get bundled together isn't to get that extra cash. I dare say it's to try and reduce the amount of costs as much as possible. So instead of having four different World Cups over four different time zones or four you know four different periods in in the year or something like that, just put them all in the same place at the same time for for a month. Boom, smash it out done but it doesn't work well no we well we'll get to that (laughs) um what nations or regions are being considered to host the next world cup and he said we've received interest from new zealand
1: okay now let's go through them one by one all right new zealand yep great excellent Uh, they they could they could hold it this weekend if they wanted to
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. then and purely on new zealand North and South Island, that's it. That's all you need. There's enough venues. You can get it yep. done.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, Fiji. What? Wait. Yeah. A what? Yeah. They're, like to I know my that knowledge, they, Fiji they would has one. Yeah, I was going to say they would venue. have
1: a national stadium.
0: That's but it. What else? Probably a few paddocks, a beach or two. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so if they're playing on one stadium, it would mean that there's probably. Triple headers every day of the week in order to get it done in the time frame. Yeah, yeah. Which I suppose cuts down on uh, (laughs) travel costs for everybody. Yeah, it probably would, hey. (laughs) does get it really condensed. Uh, It's like Magic Weekend, but it goes for a month. Magic month. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then there's two rogue outsiders. Okay. Let's go with the least roguish of the two. Mm -hmm. South Africa. Okay, now, right now,
1: I think that everyone that's listening to this podcast should stop and go to Google and type in South Africa and then click on the news tab and tell me if that's a country that you think should be holding any World Cup at the moment.
0: They've got Mm. some problems going on there. There's a few dramas. Mm. Yeah. Well, the next one is Qatar. And uh, a bit of a tricky one there when it comes to, say, women playing sport.
1: Yeah, I I can think of a few issues Um, with going to Qatar.
0: Temperature's another one? Yes. (laughs) That that would be a major one. Um, Mind you, plenty of stadiums to choose from. Well. (laughs) They just had the World Cup there. They've probably got a few stadiums they want to see if there's anything else they can do with them.
1: They probably do. I mean, they got their, the slaves to build the stadiums. Before they tear them down, they might yeah. as well, you know, hold some more events there. Um,
0: and they've all obviously got, and probably would be more than willing to part with quite a lot more money than the other three options. Yeah, blood money. Uh, I would
1: suggest <laughs> that sending however many teams of rugby league players to Qatar, probably asking for
0: some trouble yeah i mean i mean you can't drink no alcohol allowed no that, that's a problem i believe that
1: you can't uh have uh consensual sex outside of marriage
0: oh no that's not allowed
1: yeah i don't think that's allowed um
0: so it's uh yeah they're two very very rough outsiders there mm. um Fiji was an interesting one, but doesn't look feasible in any way because of the fact that I don't think they've got the, the enough facilities. Um, no. New Zealand's the clear and only obvious option, and to be honest, it deserves, it deserves to have a World Cup of its own.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of saying, we want to hold an inclusive World Cup in Qatar. <laughs>
0: These people are the worst. Anyway. So it's worth noting, though, mm-hmm. that these are nations that have given interest to host a World Cup to the International Rugby League. So the International Rugby League hasn't gone and approached them. So we can't say anything bad to the International Rugby League here.
1: Uh, no, I can. Um, <laughs> no,
0: all they've done is received an offer. They've not even responded to them yet.
1: Yeah. My, well, here's the thing. I I could make an offer today on Australia's behalf. Like who? Hang rugby on, league doesn't Australia's exist in or South Africa. May, or maybe
0: just Penrith's behalf.
1: Rugby league doesn't exist in South Africa. It just doesn't. Okay, we've been through this shit over and over again. It doesn't fucking exist there. So let's not pretend that there was some fucking board meeting in South Africa and they said we've talked to the government and we'd like to hold the World Cup here because it didn't happen. Okay.
0: I and think that no might have been the Utah. South African government that did that, though. Sorry? I think that was the South African government that might have done that. Because, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think there is a South African rugby league board. And if there is, they're not doing a great deal because South Africa doesn't play that much rugby league. Because um, it doesn't but, exist there. Well, well, in all seriousness, I think they do have a very small local competition that's been running for a while. But I, it doesn't... I don't think it's got much attraction whatsoever and they do not play international matches very often at all. Yeah, since Shaun Rutkison retired. Um, I believe the last bunch of internationals might have all been played here. Shock, horror. Yeah. I know they played the Philippines in Australia recently.
1: Yeah. They don't play rugby league in South Africa, as I said. No. Now, <laughs> I, I just can't see that the South African government's sitting around Well, they've got all their other problems, and then like they say, oh, the rugby league world cup. Rugby problems. (laughs) Yeah, it's like yeah. (laughs) They lost how much money? Let's get in on that.
0: (laughs) I want some of that action.
1: Yeah. (laughs) How many fucking kruger ants can we lose in this one?
0: (laughs) Ooh, yeah, it's uh, it's rough. Yeah, it's rough. Mind you, it makes the uh, selection process pretty simple. Yeah, it well,
1: does. It cuts it all down. And look, yeah, well, that's New a no Ze- one to know New Zealand just put out a bloody
0: tweet about it. Like, well, that's, that's all it took. Yeah, well, that, they knew that that's all it was going to take.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so, the city, we haven't made any assessment in relation to the viability of these options, but it gives me comfort that there is interest in our sport and our World Cup. How real or viable any of all those options are, we are yet to make any determination.
1: Well, it turned out the Rugby League World Cup in England wasn't viable, so let's see how it
0: goes. Okay. They said here, could the men's women's and wheelchair tournaments be held separately? Mm-hmm. And they said, we're not wedded to anything. We've just got to adopt the best approach. Best, The experience out of England was that the uniqueness of our offering with the three World Cups being run at the same time was a massive point of difference that drew record commercial investment that we hadn't seen before. And they lost money. Wow. Well, Let's, that's all blabber. Yeah. Um. We'll go down. We'll attend to that, and then we'll come back to some of the other questions. Okay. What do they have on here? Um, there's a lot of questions on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, where was it? Did the Rugby League World Cup in England return a profit in 2021? All right. Stop me at any time through this quote. It's not long, but there's a few bits to it. Okay. The 2021 World Cup was never set up to make a profit. Stop. (laughs) There's this thing
1: in modern day sport, professional sport. Mm
0: -hmm. It's professional for what reason?
1: Well, you want to make money. Ah, right. You want to make money. And you want to make a a surplus of money so that you can not only pay for your costs, but then divide the money that you've made on top of that out to probably your member nations. Um, If you can't do that, it's probably not wise to hold that competition because if you lose money, then, you know, it's, it's a problem for the sport. In professional sport, especially.
0: Yes. The next part was, we're like a non-profit organisation.
1: Let's stop there. <laughs> that needs to be cleared up because we know that the tax office has had a few problems with rugby league in the UK in particular. <laughs> I mean, the, the queen, well, now I guess it's now it's the king. Yeah, He has ended up owning many defunct rugby league clubs <laughs> over time and uh, yeah, probably doesn't want to add a World Cup to that.
0: Yeah. um, I didn't think there was a vagueness around whether you're a non-profit organisation or not. We're like uh, a non-profit organisation. Either you are or you aren't. I don't think there's much of a... I think the word non in non-profit is a pretty strong non-negotiable like there's there's no there's no wriggle room do you know what i mean it's all <laughs> pretty clear yeah and the other thing is it's
1: it's not a literal term it's not a like oh our our purpose is never to make a profit the point of a non-profit organization is any profit that you make you reinvest into whatever your cause is exactly right it, it doesn't mean we never ever want to make a profit
0: yeah like every time we get a dollar, we have to throw it in the bin. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> we do <laughs> did, not want this.
1: <laughs> we're a not-for-profit organization, so anytime we think we're going to make a profit, we, we don't do that. We just want to make
0: losses. <laughs> no, they just want to make zero. <laughs> so stupid. That's it. So any time there's an extra dollar, quick, get rid of it. We can't have that on our books. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was saying. Like, instead of giving it back to rugby league, they just throw it in the bin. Get rid of it. Put it in okay. the shredder. <laughs> um, they've met their budget. Received support from the UK government, which is significant. And I'm not sure if all the accounting reconciliations have been completed, but the IRL's rights fee, as part of that budget, is being met.
1: Okay. Now, let's think about this. The, what was the what was the finishing date of the World Cup? Was it, it was like no, November thirtieth or something like it was pretty late in the year.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was November twenty. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm gonna have a look. Like it, it was. was so, a, it was so long
1: ago, man. Well, it was late November.
0: Where is it? Here we go. Uh, November nineteenth was when the men's final was on.
1: Okay, and and like you would think. So by the twenty seventh of May, the following year, you probably should know what the financial situation out of that World Cup was because you've had some time to work it out. Like, what are they still working out?
0: Um, the reconciliations.
1: Yeah, it's just <laughs> the, like just words that they chuck
0: out there. Yeah, there's a lot of words in here. Yeah um they've met their budget who i mean there's not made clear has the rogue league world cup met its budget What would it's bud what would it have a budget they're hosting the event to try and make non-profit <laughs> it's he's just tossed out words
1: we've met our budget yeah but did you make a profit well we met our budget
0: Received the support from the UK government, which is significant. I mean, how is it much? Though? But how much is it? Um, how much is that support? Yeah. Well, it's being met. It's been met. It's <laughs> so, met in the budget. Yeah, it hasn't. It hasn't. It hasn't been entirely met. It is currently being met. The process of met is currently undergoing. It is continuing. The metness is continuing. <laughs> The continual metness may never end. Exactly. We will always be in Met. Here's the thing,
1: right? Me and you, and and for anybody that's listening, and you've missed out on some conversations me and Andrew have had over the last few years about the financial viability of Rugby League World Cups over time. And we have sat here many nights – going through financial records, and Andrew's really good at finding financial records. And they just, like, for the 2000 World Cup was a brilliant example because it started off with financial promises that were made before the World Cup, and then by the time it got to the end of the World Cup, everyone knew it was was probably going to be bad. But as time went on, the financial (laughs) outlook from that World Cup got worse and worse and worse, the further away you got from it. So we've seen this all before, and it never ends well. It no. never ends up with somebody saying at the end of the day, you know what, That remember that World Cup and all the vagueness I gave everyone? Well, we made a a, a one-pound profit. It never ends up with that. It always ends up with, yeah, we made a very, very significant loss.
0: It's, it's good. Words, words, and excuses, and can you ask me something else, please? Exactly. Exactly. Um, So he goes on. While the final accounting is still being done, it was an enormous success. We had record levels of investment that came into the competition. So, So, So did they make a profit or not? Like, he can't
1: answer that. Enormous success.
0: Record levels of investment. You know what? If the investment previously was $0.35 cents
2: mm-hmm.
0: and someone said, we'll make it a full $0.50, cents, mm-hmm. that's a record level of of, of investment. That's but true. But it's not exactly huge. No. And so no numbers have been provided at all here. There is no transparency whatsoever.
1: By his own admission, he doesn't know. He's yeah. the chairman of the International Rugby League and – in May, the following year, after the World Cup, he is saying, I don't know what our financial situation is. And that's unacceptable.
0: Well, it's either he he knows and he doesn't want to tell anyone. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. Because, I mean, if it's if it's record levels of investment and it's big dollars, then why wouldn't you want to share that great news?
1: And it's not his personal financial status. No,
0: but you know, the thing is, if it's, if it's let's, let's spitball. If there's turned out that $1 billion have been invested in the game, you go, well, that's, because you are like, quotation marks, a non-profit organisation, that's a billion dollars going into the National Rugby League. That's a fucking great story. Well mm-hmm. done. You deserve a pat on the back. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But if it's 50 cents, <laughs> stop telling us it's recorded, you know, It's record levels of investment.
1: The other thing is, too, I have a feeling that these record levels of investment are basically the UK government underpinning a large chunk of the tournament and doing it on the back of the Women's World Cup and the Disability World Cup and the Wheelchair World Cup. That's great. But if it's been a financial failure, it doesn't matter if there was record investment, if the whole thing was a failure.
0: Exactly. What's the point of investment if it doesn't turn out to be a profit, if all that investment is being chewed up by expenses? Yeah, yeah. It's it's meaningless. Um, Which leads into the next part of the quote. But Mm -hmm. what we were challenged by was record expenses that exploded with inflation our uh, airfares tripled in the last 18 months beforehand and accommodation costs went through the roof mm-hmm. um that, so knowing that air for air, air um air prices air travel prices were tripled and accommodation costs were through the roof why then were they charging so much for fucking tickets for the fans yeah exactly
1: and I mean, we watched the Rugby League World Cup. There was not many good games in it. Uh, The crowds weren't that great. It wasn't like they were spending a lot of money hiring out massive stadiums. Like Some of the stadiums were worse than what we would get in local A-grade competitions
0: in Sydney. Um, They didn't even go to Wembley, did they? No, they didn't go to Wembley, no. We used to go there for test matches in the 80s and 90s. Regularly. It was just like, of course, we're going to Wembley. Yeah. Um,
1: So uh, what they've done is they've put together this gigantic, unwieldy competition. They've got a lot of money. I don't know how much money they got out of the UK government, but it seems like it was a, a chunk of money out of the UK government. And they've used that as a base to build a financial disaster of a World Cup. and. It's been so bad that f- the French government looked at the books and said there's no way where you're going to commit to that sort of financial failure. And so France, within the space of six months, was announced as a host and then handed it back. We've got zero rugby league internationals lined up, like no test series, no nothing lined up. And then on top of that, the European championships have just been cancelled. And this yes. is all on this is all on Troy Grant's watch. He needs to resign immediately.
0: Well, he goes on to how you know how we might be going financially here after this World Cup. He almost gets to it. He doesn't there's still no numbers. But after that excuse, he says, I guess the thing is that potential profit in the profit sense of the word <laughs>
1: Profit is
0: not an ambiguous word. (laughs) Potential profit in the profit sense of the word. You've said profit twice in four words. Didn't eventuate. So potential profit didn't eventuate because of those factors of airfares and accommodation. But all the bills are paid, all commitments are made if that makes sense. It doesn't. It doesn't well, I mean, make sense. All the bills and commitments paid make sense, but what potential profit in the profit sense that doesn't make sense. I wonder if that the paid their bill. The word. I wonder if they've paid their bill back to the
1: International Rugby League Federation yet.
2: <laughs>
1: Do you reckon that bill's been paid? No, nah, not even touched. Not even touched, Trump needs to resign, and do, do you remember the self congratulatory like victory lap that these people were all making during the World Cup? It really pisses me off, man, because these people are they're not accountable for their failures. Well,
0: he then got asked, Has the IRL considered private equity investment? And he replies, this is a unique opportunity in the Strategy and Governance Committee, chaired by Peter Vlandis, that's always a good idea, has on their agenda to look at what the IRL needs to look like going forward, what our capacity needs to be, and the skill sets that need to be in the IRL. We haven't been canvassed, uh, sorry, we haven't canvassed any private equity investment into ourselves at this point, but what we certainly will do is leave no stone unturned to be the best we can be. When I joined the board in 2020, Our finances were done on an Excel spreadsheet. Hey, hey, don't be shitting on Excel, buddy. (laughs) Some of the best websites in the world have got a lot of uh, thanks and love for Excel. Um, The governance arrangements for us were pretty much a glorified shelf company, to be honest with you, with a post office box and, and a few committed people to it. What we have now is we've had is a... What we have now is we've had is a strengthening of our governance arrangements and our capability through partnerships and leveraging relationships. That is his quote.
1: Now what they've got, right, is a bloated administration that isn't actually administering anything from this point going forward. One that had to be forced to postpone the World Cup because they were going to hold it in the middle of a pandemic. And that then holds the World Cup with twelve months of extra time to plan for it, and couldn't make a profit out of it. That's what we've got. I yes. tell you what, at least the PO box, you know how much it's going to cost you. Yeah, I
0: mean, I mean, expense in the expense sense of the word is known. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know when you say profit, <laughs> what
0: do you really mean?
1: Color? Do you mean? Do you mean blue or pink? Because that's what I think of profit. I think blues. I think. I think of. I think of sounds when I hear the word profit. I think profit
0: sounds a bit like. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. When Misty. I when I hear the word profit, I think tumbleweeds. I think. Uh, I think running away from my problems.
0: A trickling stream <laughs> through a meadow. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbits playing joyfully amongst the daisies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what sort of profit But then he goes on to say that what really matters in, and what's really important is that we get our international calendar sorted out because a lot of our commercial um, possibilities will come off the back of that.
1: Yeah, he's been and, saying that since he turned up in 2020.
0: Yeah, and so... If that's the case, if that's the goal, if that's what we need, why isn't there one? Yeah. <laughs> Who's to blame for
1: that? And if you're not doing that, what are you doing? Like, what is he doing? This guy, right, he runs a sporting organization that has no sport planned and can't tell you if it made a profit or not from a, a competition it held seven months ago.
0: Ah oh, man. Good stuff. Okay, so he was asked here also, what, when did concerns emerge about France's capacity to hold the World Cup in 2025? And he replied, the French government had set out some pretty strict criteria with the IRL in France 2025 to give them assurance of the viability of the tournament, which in essence was to gain enough support, not just economically, but also across the breadth of France. Part of those conditions were to secure the support of localities, and we required a dozen of those localities to have voted in their assemblies to commit funds to support the tournament. There was a very strong interest, and a lot of progress was made. We were well on the way to doing that. We had letters of support from communities and localities committing.
1: Well, I got what, happened...
0: <laughs> what happened after that was obviously the war in Ukraine. Ah, oh, it's fucking Vlad's fault. It's Vlad's <laughs> prick. War in Ukraine? When in doubt, blame the Russians, <laughs> which <laughs> led to an economic crisis and more recently a changing government and significant po- political instability in France. Ah, oh, those fucking French. <laughs> <laughs> I I, look, uh, I
1: completely agree with the French government. I completely agree with them. They've looked at the World Cup and they've said, "You you lost how much money last time around, and you want us to pour money into this." No, 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 it's Vladimir's fault. <laughs> then they've gone, Sacre bleu! <laughs> so,
0: he's got excuses up his sleeve everywhere. I know, right? I'm, I'm actually now impressed. I want to find more excuses. What have we got here? Um, this then deeply affected those assemblies from gathering formalizing their support and a vote, which then did not meet benchmarks set up by the new French government. Time extensions were given... Well, there you go. They helped out, but due to circumstances outside the control of the French Rugby League World Cup organisers or the International Rugby League, ultimately, as the as of the other day, these conditions were not able to be met. What were those circumstances outside the control of Rugby League?
1: It's it's a Rugby League tournament.
0: Circumstances,
1: and and, and <laughs> you don't control the circumstances of the tournament that you wish to hold in France.
0: Circumstances, in the circumstances sense of the word. In the sense of, so yeah. <laughs> France 2025 were no longer able to continue to satisfy the government and they officially withdrew as host of the World Cup. The IRL, quite frankly, I mean, this almost sounds um, very firm and stern now. Yeah, this sounds bullish, yeah. Should never have been placed in a position where we were trying to identify a host within that limited period of time. The host for the 25 should have been secured well before 2020, but we did the best we could.
1: No, you didn't, because we still haven't got a host. That's what? him. That's his job. How, how? Whose fault is that? Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's saying it like, oh, you know, we, we it would have been good if we had it, but we didn't. It's like, then why didn't you? Why did you leave it so late and then you gave it to a country that couldn't host it? That's on you. (sighs) It's not like there's some outside influence that stopped him. That's his job. He's the boss.
0: That's dire. Yeah. Uh, That's just atrocious. Um, What other stupid things did he say on the future of the game in France, he wouldn't know. Strong in the sense of the word. Um, What international fixtures are being planned before the World Cup? (laughs) It doesn't look like there's any. What have we got here? I have had a meeting with Trent Robertson, the coaching director of France, and France will be looking to tour the Southern Hemisphere in 2024 as part of the calendar and their development, so there is exciting stuff happening before we get to 2025 regardless. Tonga will still tour the UK later in 2023 and there are other announcements that are very close in regards to other content in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, There are seven nations in the Pacific region and to formulate tournaments around four or three teams is difficult, so Peter Vlandes and myself are in agreement that it gives one nation per annum the opportunity to tour to the north. I'm not saying that it's always England either. There are big opportunities for it to be France, Scotland, Wales and Ireland. Yeah, I mean, it's a big a staple of, of the shit. calendar going forward. What a load of shit!
1: <laughs> what if you do You know,
0: <sighs> it's just bullshit. What happens in between World Cups is a structure of tournaments or series that provide the very best product, rivalry, storylines, and narratives that are also commercially attractive, and that also take into consideration player loads. <sighs> None of those have happened. Um, what else we got here? When will the international calendar be finalised? I'll just scan for a date. Yeah, see,
1: yeah, tell us the date that he obviously said because he is the chairman of the International Rugby League. And if, like, he's not organising dates for games or World Cups or working out if there's a profit or not,
0: you know, what the fuck is he doing? Making excuses. He's got another one. What's the excuse this time? You like this one. Okay. In relation to the calendar, the framework has been presented to the board and has essentially been agreed for some time, but then some nations withdrew their support in order to reshape how potential content in the calendar was going to be run and organised. A lot of that related to the CBA, where, for the first time, international payments for NRL players, and obviously there is a significant number who play for other nations outside Australia, was being framed up. I've met face-to-face with both Clint Newton, the RLPA CEO, and Peter Vlandy's on the status of those negations, negotiations, and there is agreement on 95%. Apparently, we can't have an international calendar because of what's going on with the RLPA and the um, ARLC with player payments and stuff like that, even though mm-hmm. I'd say there's... Let, let, let's be conservative and say at least half the rugby league playing nations don't have anyone playing in the NRL. Yes. Yes. That's... That, I, I, but yeah, that's think, excuse.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> I mean, when they had to cancel the European Championship the other day, I don't think that they, anybody was saying that bloody
0: RLPA. <laughs> They've dogged us again. Yeah. We we're trying to get Tom Travoy, which line up for Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> now we don't know if we can pick him or not, so we just can't play any games. You know, seriously, though, if... If all
1: he has is excuse after excuse after excuse for the reasons why on his watch competitions have been postponed, in some cases cancelled, and that we have no international calendar in place, we can't give dates for internationals that that are going to happen within a couple of months from now, we don't know who is going to host the next World Cup, If all he can come up with is excuses, then he's not the man for the job or woman for the job. Like, he needs
0: to stand down. Ready for more? I'm ready, yeah. Could the World Cup be postponed until 2026 or even 2029? No decisions have been made, but anything is a possibility at this stage. If that was to occur, there would still be content of significance in 2025 whether there is any movement, it's got to be a sustainable good window for us for the four-year cycle because we also want to factor in our World Cup nines. When were they last played? Uh, I went to them. That was first played. The, yeah. <laughs> when was that? Was that 2018?
1: I think it was. Yeah, because I went to them. I really enjoyed them. Uh, and well, that four-year we window's gone. <laughs> yeah, that, well... Well, that was a window that was open for the World Nines. And since then, not one single game of Nines Rugby League has been played.
0: Yeah, it's gone well. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else have we got here? Uh, what is the status of World Cup qualifiers and other scheduled fixtures? We have to go through the process of assessing what we're doing in 2025 onwards, so we don't expect any decisions about tournaments, such as the America's qualifiers to be made until after our July meeting. The European Championships is a property that's owned by European Rugby League. So we're dealing with the ERL on how their competitions interact with our World Cup qualification events. Why does European Rugby League have its own <laughs> its own organisation?
1: I'll tell you why, right? Because the European Rugby League looks at these idiots... And says, there's no fucking way we're going to
0: leave it to these idiots. We're going to have to do it ourselves. What chance have you got of organising tournaments and having any authority whatsoever over the international game hmm. if all you've got is a heap of committees below you hmm. that you can't get to agree with what you want?
1: Yeah, it's a good point. And if you can't get them to agree to what you want or what you think is the best way forward because they don't agree with you, right, then what is the use of the International Rugby League? To not make a profit
0: in the profit sense of the word.
1: Exactly. And to not schedule any games and to not have a World Cup and to not have a a calendar.
0: Um, Would there be backing for a Pacific World Cup? Uh, Funding is absolutely realistic. But stadium capacity is a difficulty in a number of smaller nations. In Apia, for example, I believe there is a stadium with a capacity of about twelve thousand, so it would only be suitable for a potential pool match at best, and not for anything outside of that. Let's just check something, shall we?
1: That sounds low to me. Twelve thousand?
0: Um, that that might be accurate. Okay. We did have a quarter final in the last World Cup. In Hull, then only had 7,000 people. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: That was New Zealand-Fiji. Tonga-Samoa in the quarterfinals at Warrington also had 12,600. Australia-Lebanon in the quarterfinal had 8,000 at Huddersfield.
1: You know what, though? Just when you said the Warrington one, from memory, when I tuned in, that was one of those ones because Warrington Stadium isn't that big. And when I tuned in and they said that was the uh, crowd, I felt like it was not the case. Yeah. Because there was a few, there was a few crowds that they were announcing at the World Cup where, say, it was a 30,000 seat stadium and they would say that there's 20,000 people there. And you'd look at it and you'd say, well, there's less than half the stadium is filled, so how does that work out? Remember they used to do that with the uh, Sydney Football Stadium, where it yeah. used to be 44,000, and they'd be like,
0: we've got 18,000 people here, and you'd be like, how? Well, we remember, you and me specifically, how mm-hmm. much they were banging on about how great the crowds were for this World Cup. Yeah. Right, if he's saying that 12,000, a 12,000-seat 12, stadium is is only good for maybe the occasional pool match, 19 of the 24 pool matches had crowds less than 12,000. There you go. All right. And I'd say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 17 of them had less than 10,000. 17 yeah. of 24 pool games had less than 10,000, two quarter, uh, three quarter finals had, or two had less than 10,000, one had 12,600.
1: And the the fact is too, that like, you can get headlines by saying, Oh, we could hold it in, you know, Fiji. We could hold it in Samoa. The fact of the matter is that in terms of the commercial side of it and the broadcasting side of things, uh, accommodation, Uh, And just having the general facilities that you need to hold a a large tournament, you know, you can't hold them in places like that. They just don't have the infrastructure for it. It just does not work.
0: No. But if you were to get, okay, so you've got 31 games in the World Cup, okay, as it currently is. Mm -hmm. If you average 12,000 people per game, that's a total attendance of 372,000, which is... 50,000 less than what the last World Cup had. Mm-hmm. That's not that much. Yeah. That's not even 2,000 a game less.
1: Yeah, it's not It's not devastatingly different. No. Yeah, I see what you mean. The so other my, thing is... My that, point like,
0: is, don't, don't sit there and be shitting on about the fact that the stadium only holds 12,000 people because they will fill 12,000 people in that stadium for every single game. You know they will. The thing is, though, uh,
1: many, how many people actually live... In
0: Fiji. No, there won't be many there, but the island's are all close. And everyone will travel over there and go and watch those games. And they'll be they'll be flooding those venues. They just will. I'm not saying it's it's a viable option. I'm just saying don't be, don't be shitting on the fact that it's only got a 12,000-set stadium as a reason why you can't have the game there.
2: Yeah.
0: All these stadiums that they played in England had stadiums that were bigger than that.
1: They played you know, multiple games at one stadium that had fucking... Turf,
0: yeah, like I mean the, artificial grass turf. They're playing at venues here that Super League games regularly get like ten thousand people at, and we couldn't get bigger crowds for a World Cup game there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, don't don't be shitting on the size of the ground, mate. That's not the, that's not the issue in any sense. I I don't think a World Cup in Fiji is. Um, feasible no, by any stretch no. of the imagination. It's just no.
1: not. It'd be um, awesome if it was but it's yeah. just, that's why we don't tend to play too many test matches um, in in the Pacific Islands because it's got to be financially viable and you've got to have the broadcasting facilities and there's all of these boxes you have to tick for it to work.
0: I'd like to see though just one NRL game every year go over there. It would
1: be great, and, and but there's a reason they don't do it. And, you know, you want to get the sport to a point that it's making, and I'm talking internationally here, you want the sport to be making enough profit so that it can underwrite itself games in those places. Is that actual profit? Actual profit. So profit I don't, in talk- the sense of the word. <laughs> Look, when I think of profit, I think of tastes and smells. Yes. Uh, I guess you could deem profit in terms of making money if you wanted to, if you wanted to be
0: pedantic about it. Oh, boy. Well, that was the bulk of what he had to go on about. Um nothing we're not enlightened in any way about that that was just more infuriating than anything else
1: yeah lots of uh word salads he couldn't he couldn't give any commitments to what was going to happen going forward he couldn't give us any commitment to any any games that will be played in the future couldn't give us commitment to what year within space of 2025 to 2029 that the World Cup might be played. Why is he running it?
0: Exactly. So the European Rugby League, as you mentioned before, they announced. um, What was this? 25th of May, just a few days ago.
1: Yeah, it was after. uh, I believe it was after um, the interview that he had. That uh,
0: yes, Troy Grant had. Yeah. Um, That they would be um, cancelling all of the European qualifiers for the World Cup. Um, And here's some of the quotes there from ERL Chairman Dean Andrew. It was a tremendously difficult decision, but the circumstances have left us in an almost impossible position. It is very disappointing that we have to delay the staging of these events, but it is only sensible course of action available to us. At the moment, International Rugby League is considering its options for the next World Cup and requires time to finalize details but this has left our members with little planning time to arrange affordable flights and accommodation on the current schedule. Once the Rugby League World Cup 2025 details are known, we expect a revised, transparent and inclusive qualification pathway to be confirmed and fixtures rearranged. Expect is a strong word.
1: Yeah, now, and here's where you see the problem, that the problem that we've had with the last World Cup and how how bad it's been received by commercial partners when they look at hosting the next World Cup. That's trickling down. And it's like the European Rugby League as an entity is one of the bigger ones that we actually have. So for them to be immediately hit by this and say, look, we can't go forward because of the issues that are happening above us. There are other levels below them and international teams below them that are looking at what's going on and saying, well, we can't go ahead either. And that's why everything's at a standstill. And that's the position that the International Rugby League as an an organisation has led the international game to. And that's unacceptable.
0: I wonder if it would be worthwhile having the European Rugby League organise the Rugby League World Cup. Because you think about the difficulty they've got. Mm-hmm. most of their nations um, are only new to rugby league. And yet they've been organising a lot of international rugby league for a long time and with much more success than the international rugby league has been.
1: They have been. It's always surprising when you see the number of European international rugby league games that there are. And uh, me and you see them. Uh, we've actually sat and watched them together on- online and... It's uh, it's great, it's fantastic that they are able to organise these games, and they do it on a shoestring budget, and they do the very best they can with the venue choices that they've got. Um, and look, they've done more than the international rugby league is able to do. There's no doubt about that. <sighs> could they do? Could they do worse?
0: God no. Because, I mean, what they would organise is they'd they'd organise to have it been played throughout Europe, not too far apart, but in a few of the major European centres where it would be safe to do so and not too expensive, and that's a good thing about Europe. There's lots of big stadiums there too.
1: True. Now, this brings us to what should the World Cup look like going forward? Because the Disability World Cup, I mean, it's great that governments will fund that. But that's not your money spinner. Uh, the Wheelchair World Cup, which my understanding is the last Wheelchair World Cup was actually, in terms of being a sporting event, was successful as a sporting contest. But that's not going to be a money spinner. The Women's World Cup was, I would suggest, a horrible failure. It was very one-sided. They, it was just a non-event, really. Um, and I say that as somebody that, that that enjoys watching Women's Rugby League. I was watching it and was kind of shocked at how one-sided that competition was. The Men's World Cup was too big. It went for too long. There were too many blowouts. The group stages were of no consequence, really, to work out who was going to be the world champion. Um, It was just not a good tournament. It was very forgettable. So what do we want out of the World Cup going forward? And what should it be about? Because I don't think the World Cup should be how everyone gets a run. The World Cup should be how we're deciding the very best team in the world.
0: Look, this that's a very good question because we've got to get the World Cup to a point where, A, we're genuinely finding out who the best nation, not just the best nation is, but also where every other nation that's currently playing in the rugby where they rank. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we've got to have them all playing in the World Cup. But the system that underpins the World Cup also helps to determine all those rankings all the way down the list.
1: But does that matter?
0: It does, I think, to the European Championships and stuff like that because you want to make sure that those teams and are playing um, other groups of teams that are at a similar level to them, not ones that are um, below them or above them. You, you, you don't want to see hiding through the whole process of the World Cup process. You want to try and have at least strong competition groups everywhere. Um, So if you've got, like, say, four blocks, the elite, the, you know, next string below that, then the next string below that, and then the emerging nations underneath that, you don't want to have, you know, um, Nigeria having to play a qualifier against, say, Wales or France or something like that, because, you know, that's not going to be pretty. So you want to have teams playing against teams that are similar to them so that they... They're earning the step up by being the best in their area and the next team up they're playing, they might win by 40 or 50 odd points, something like that, but it won't be a 100 odd. It's not going to be debilitating. They're going to test themselves against the next level up. And the, you know, the teams at the next level up, they're going to be testing themselves against the next level up. And you want to see the group at the very top, the elite teams. You don't want that to be 16 teams. You need that to be smaller because that smaller group should be the teams that are playing in the World Cup. And I think in an ideal world, what that should be is eight teams maximum. Yeah, Absolute maximum should not be any more than eight. And I'm not saying eight's a perfect number. But I'm saying eight is the absolute maximum you should have it.
1: Yeah, I, uh, like, I think that... My personal opinion is that the World Cup should be an invitation tournament because I think that we get locked in. We're not soccer. We're not a lot of other sports. We're rugby league. And it's a very small group of nations that are competitive against the elite nations. And I think that, you know, we can pretend that there's qualifiers and stuff like that and, and that they mean something. But we all know that we don't need to see a game between Serbia and Ukraine, for instance, to work out who the eventual world champion is going to be.
0: No, that's right. But that's why I'm saying they still need to have a purpose. And it's not ultimately to reach the World Cup, or even to become the world champion, it's also to find out um, how they're ranking, because you also want them to think that, well, or you also, you also want them not to think, you want them to have a goal to get better. And if you don't have some sort of structure in place for all of those teams that is part of the World Cup process, but not going to genuinely, you know, confirm that they're a chance of getting there, but it's something they can work towards, you don't want to shut the door on them either. You're like, how long are we going to be carrying Ireland and Scotland in a World Cup? You know, what if Serbia just is beating everyone and they beat Scotland and Ireland for years on end and deserve to be there? But There's got to be a way for them to get there other than just invitation. I know, but there, there should be a structure that underpins it that's based on results. Uh, and I, th- I
1: think that you can. I think that you can have if you've got an a, an actual international calendar. And teams are playing one another. Mate, this is fanciful now. I, I know. this. <laughs> if only we had some sort of organisation at the top of the tree that, that that was a responsibility for. Led by somebody that makes sure you call him the right honourable every time you mention him. Um, if we had that in place, I, I look at Tonga. Look at Tonga, for instance, right? If there was a nation if there were nations that said, look, we want to be able to build towards something and know that we will eventually if we're good enough we will get a chance to be at the World Cup, I would say look at Tonga. Look at how they build themselves up. There's no doubt they're going to be invited to the next World Cup. If we have a nation that comes through and builds themselves up and they get to that level, like rugby league doesn't have the luxury of ignoring a team like that. So, they're definitely going to be part of the big show if they can prove they're worthy of being there. But I think that when you sit down and you put these big, unwieldy structures together and these tournaments that lead into qualification processes and things like that, you know, you, you almost set yourself up to having to have a giant 16 team World Cup when there aren't 16 teams that really have a chance of even being competitive against the top eight teams in the world cup.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If we had a clearly defined top eight and we know that it's not even going to be competitive amongst most of those sides, Mm. but it would mean basically two groups of four.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. So each team plays three games each. That's a week's of football. All right, and you just take the top two teams from both groups. Bam, two semifinals and a final. The you're other not, thing, it's not yep. long and drawn out, so it's cutting no. costs down, and you're not having too many teams flying around. And the teams that are flying around are ones that actually already have the funding behind them to afford it. Yeah, exactly, so exactly. It's no drama, it it'd be a feasible way to do it until we can get to a point where there are more international teams that are far more competitive amongst themselves and start becoming competitive with the top eight elite. And then you can start going, maybe we need to change the process. I don't think you need to change the top eight system, though. Um, Unless if you find that the World Cup's doing really well and people want more of it, and you go, well, instead of just having, you know, two groups of four, we just have all eight teams play each other once. I think it'll give you a few extra games. Um, Yeah, something
1: like that, yeah.
0: And at least then you wouldn't need to worry about having finals because you just have the final at the end between Team 1 and Team 2. Bam, final, job
1: done. Oh, yeah. I would also say, like, what would work better for Rugby League? If you look at the last World Cup and what we had, or if you just had the top eight teams and it was a straight knockout competition, what would you rather watch? What is going to give us the best... Product at the end of the day, and what is going to give us exciting games of football? Like, I know that a knockout competition doesn't feel like a World Cup,
0: but well, we could call it the, the Rugby League World Challenge Cup, <laughs> played <laughs> in bloody February, um, played all at Wembley,
1: <laughs> but like. I just think that we we can't pretend that we're other sports. We need to realize we're rugby league. We've got far more competitive teams than we had even 20 years ago, which is fantastic. Yeah. But we need to understand where we are as a sport. And we need to understand that our World Cup needs to be run lean and mean and gives you bang for your buck so that next time around, when it comes to hosting the next World Cup, Instead of people saying this thing is gigantic and loses heaps of money and was pretty boring and you know, I, I'm neither here nor there about it, you want people to say, "Holy crap! That the last World Cup was awesome. Let's get, let's do that again." You know? Yeah. Um, I can't wait for the next one. Exactly, and and I think that you know you you have an 18 World Cup, you make it quick, you make it, you know, it's going to be more competitive. And if there is another team that comes along, like, for instance, uh, you know, you look at Lebanon. They they did pretty well at the last World Cup, and they've done all right on and off. And, you know, I think it's fair to say, if it was between them and France on the footy field, it's going to be hard to say that France is going to beat Lebanon at this point. Because France oh. has been very disappointing. Now, personally, I grandfather. France into every competition for what they've done for international rugby league over many, many decades. But if it ends up that we have to have a 19 world cup to get, because Lebanon just has to be there. They're good enough that they just, it's irrefutable that they have to be in the competition. That's fine. Put them in.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, invite them.
0: Yeah. There's no, there's no reason why you can't get around that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking I might see if I can try and create an international rugby league four-year calendar. That'd not, be cool. Imagine if now, you I'm got trying, paid. Trying.
1: Imagine if you got paid the same amount as the people that work at the international rugby <laughs> league to do that.
0: Oh, I think of all the vending machines I could have. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You'll probably get three fold-out tables,
0: huh, hey, instead of oh, two. Oh, yeah. I'd have, to, I'd have to get rid of the – I'd have to move all of my stuff into a, a like, a double garage. be awesome. With no car, because I'd, I'd need all that room for the fold-out tables and the vending machines. Yeah, yeah. That'd you be could... fantastic. Man, a bloke can dream. Have a P.O. box. <laughs> I've already got one of those. Oh, there you go. I'm almost the International Rugby League Federation.
1: <laughs> in fact, I, 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 here's what I reckon. If you've got a P.O. box and you've got the willingness to actually sit down and put a calendar together right now, you're doing more than the International Rugby League's doing.
0: I feel like one of those Rebel International uh, international Rugby League competitions is out in the USA. Yeah. Well, I'm just being a that? Rebel now for the sake of it.
1: What was that one that was like the World Rugby League or something? We looked up last year. Do you remember what? that?
0: Yeah, I do. They were they were trying to argue that rugby league's been around since the Greeks. Yeah. Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> no, I agree with them. Actually, why not? <laughs> Prove <not>? it wasn't.
0: <laughs> oh, oh my god! I remember that was crazy. There's so many spelling errors as well. That was
1: yeah. I, I was I was actually impressed. Look. Are they doing any worse than the International Rugby
0: League? <laughs> well, uh, they're achieving the same amount at the moment. Yeah. Speaking of International Rugby League, we did have Serbia beat Greece like, uh, two weeks ago, 40 to 6. Mm-hmm. And Serbia are playing Italy, I think, actually now. Right now? Yeah. And these oh. are, I believe, hastily organized matches. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time Italy is playing in Italy since November twenty nine. Uh, 20, 2019. Oh, wow. Back then they beat Spain. mm mm-hmm. um, Both sides are, are entirely local players. And that's what you want to see? Absolutely. I'd say the Serbian side looks pretty strong. A lot of names there I've seen before and have seen them playing for quite a while, so they look like they've got a much more experienced side. hmm And that counts for a lot in these sort of games, um, so I'd expect Serbia to probably dominate. I mean, the fact that they beat the Greece team forty to six, even though that was a Greece team made of locals, yeah, um, that's pretty commanding. Because that Greece team, even though it was the one in the World Cup, was not a true reflection of the one that got them there. No, so that was still pretty strong as a um, as a domestic you know, field team. So Serbia's always been pretty subtle though. Um, see I'm 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 back in Serbia to win that one
1: comfortably. See and and you and me, I know we feel the same way that there's real international competition which is that, which is when you get a, a bunch of Serbian dudes and a bunch of Italian dudes and they go out there in a the footy field and they work out who the best team is. And then you've got what we tend to get at the World Cup where, you know, you, you turn on the TV and it's like, well, he was born in the same city I was, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 why is that Jamaican guy talking with a Yorkshire accent, you know? <laughs> what is, is that guy running out for Ireland? He, he's, he's bloody born in Queensland. What the <laughs> fuck? Like, and that, I don't think... I, Honestly, don't think that does anything for anybody. I don't think it improves the game at all. I don't think it helps, you know, teams back when they go home after a World Cup. Like I, I've I've always believed that.
0: No, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um I've always been somewhat uncomfortable, I guess, with teams that can have like you can you can field two completely different teams and they're both the strongest team they can field, but one is like all basically a bunch of New South Wales Cup and NRL players, and the other one is a bunch of people actually from the country they're representing.
1: Yeah, and look, it, when it, when it's a team from the country that they're actually representing, it's something really really special. Like these people play this this sport that none of their friends know about, and they find it weird, you know. They didn't decide to go and play soccer like everyone else. They decided to play this game where you tuck the ball under your arm and 13 other dudes try and drag you to the ground. That's weird. They're a bunch of weirdos, right? But they're Italian weirdos, and they're Serbian weirdos, and they play our weirdo game. And they're <laughs> the people we should support, not when it comes World Cup time. And so, and Victor Radley's like, oh, I'm play. I've, it's been my lifelong dream for the last two months. To play for England because my dad's English. Like, come
0: on now. Well, he—you he probably knew that was his only way of getting the Test jumper.
1: And it's not good enough. He took a—he took an Englishman's place.
0: He is an Englishman. <laughs> yeah. He's playing like one. <laughs> dare you. Um It's almost half time. Italy, Serbia. Serbia's Serbia's up twenty to four. That's
1: actually a little closer than I thought it would be, hey? I guess. Yeah. Just a little too.
0: closer. Um, a few little things. Okay. Apparently the Johns brothers have been having a bit of an argument. Yeah, I noticed this was
1: being carried in the media quite a bit this week. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, that's what they do. Yeah, they talk about themselves. Um, Through the media. I, I, I worked really hard all week trying to give a fuck. Oh, I, I could, clearly don't. Yeah, I, could, I just couldn't. Um, Although I thought it was ironic that even the Johns brothers don't fucking like the Johns brothers.
0: I just remember there was, I think I made a tweet about it because they, they had a video of Matty Johns talking about the argument that he had with his brother. And all I could think was, these people are coaching New South Wales. <laughs> I thought that too. It's basically, (laughs) Matty's got the shits because Andrew doesn't sit there paying attention to what he has to say. And then Andrew then fights back with saying, oh, I suppose I should listen to the guy who played in four origin games. (laughs) You've just been a dick to your brother for no reason, but you know, good call at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's Andrew Johns quite a bit better than Matthew. But I guess Matthew's probably proven to be a better coach. But at the same time, mm, both kind of dickheads. And like,
1: remember there was a there was a point where Andrew Johns kept on being a halves coach at clubs, and the halves just every single mm, time, Luke it,
0: yeah, it got worse and worse. They just <laughs> got worse. And then they, and then he left, and they started to get better.
1: Yeah, and and I always think that like you know, people say, Oh Matthew Jones is a coach and stuff, and it's
0: like when? Like, oh, when Matthew Jones happen- has he's had a little bit more success, but it's 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 not we're not talking like huge percentages of difference. I think he's provi- he's actually produced more consistent footballers, but not necessarily better ones. I just think they're both. I think that their their ability to coach is overrated. Cause if oh, no, they, no, no, no. I fully agree with you. They are
1: massively overrated. Because if they could coach, I think that... They would be. They
0: would be. <laughs> yeah, they'd be coaches. <laughs> they couldn't even get a Pacific Island with no coach to pick either of them up, or both of them at the same time. True, true. Um, the other one was, Alan Jones was in the coach's box for the Raiders again tonight. That's a bit strange. It's a
1: weird one. I wonder why he's... That, does he live down there in Canberra or something?
0: I don't know. I'm wondering if maybe it's just the the rah link between him and Ricky Stewart or... It's possible, yeah. Maybe he's trying to um, coach Ricky Stewart on how to have better one-way arguments. <laughs>
1: It's, uh, (laughs) man, Ricky Stewart keeps whinging in the media. Hey, even this week he was whinging in the media about, um, Hudson Young. And he was saying, oh, the Queenslanders are saying he should go out and, you know, be a firebrand. And when he was doing that, no one knew who he was. And when he started playing consistent football, then he got an Origin jersey. And it's like, Ricky, just shut the fuck up.
0: Yeah. Um... I think he he just needs to go quiet for a year.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, now the other thing was um, in the post-match presser for tonight's game because you know tonight's game was Raiders versus South. Very, mm. very good game of football to be honest with you. The forwards were brilliant in the middle. Um, Josh Papali had racked up a hundred over a hundred meters in the first twenty minutes or so. Wow! I didn't get um, to see the game tonight, so. He was powerful. Um, I was doing a live update of the game. I named him man of the match because he, he blew him away, man. He was he was just destructive as hell. Um, you know, it was one of those games where Canberra in the first half skipped away a little bit. South came back. South took the lead in the second half. Canberra brought it back. And it yo a little bit. But then in the 65th minute, um, Koi Harunera, after doing a hit-up, sort of Ran back to get back in the line, but he was was looking, you know, according to some of the reports, he was looking a bit confused a bit lost, and then he fell to his knees and then collapsed and had what looked to be a seizure on the ground. Mm. Um, all of the players from both sides like circled around him, um, you know, it's just to give him a bit of privacy, I guess, during that moment. And I'll even give credit to Fox Sports because after them, after that incident, they refused to put the camera, even on the player circled around for Mm. a long time. And even when they did, it was like, here's a player standing around, and then they move away to something else. Um, So they even had the respect to not try and zoom in. They didn't didn't show any replays of him collapsing. Nothing. Um, Very respectful of them. One thing that wasn't respectful was at the ground. And I did see some people blaming the NRL for this. It's not them, it's the ground. They were playing a Tina Turner song. <laughs> yeah, While I, I he was on the ground. That's all you he could hear. I was like, oh, no, just turn the music off, especially, you know, Tina Turner passed away this week. And yeah. She, oh, man. It's just, that's horrible. I mean, how could you hear that come out and go, well, you know what? Let's just press pause for a second on the music. Yeah. yeah I know you, you're trying to so. distract people, but I mean, of all the people to have singing.
1: Well, like, because when I heard what had happened with uh, Corey, Harawira and Naira, I put on the, the replay for the game and just because I wanted to see what happened um, and I wanted to see if he'd been hit in any sort of a legal tackle leading up to it and he hadn't, there was just nothing at all, it, it was, he just collapsed And uh, I watched through the process of of what Fox Sports was willing to show us. And as you say, it wasn't much of – it was nothing really of what was going on in the field. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I I noticed the music playing in the background. I think sometimes you get people in those sorts of roles and, and those sorts of jobs where they get just caught up in the momentum of what their job is. And, you know, they've been told at some point, look, when the play stops, play music. And they yeah. they kind of get stuck in that. I Because it did stand out to me a little bit, too. I was like, why are they playing, like, music in the
0: background? But um, no, It probably wouldn't have mattered so much. It was just any other random music. Just the fact that they played the music of someone who had also recently passed away while we're dealing with someone having a very serious seizure on the ground.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: No, yeah. <laughs> that bit was wrong. Or you know, have it on, but just sort of turn it down because you could hear it pretty clearly on the TV. Yeah, doesn't need to be that loud.
1: Yeah, it was a bit unfortunate, but there was uh the last update that we've got out of the Campbell Raiders. And this was this has been at about 11 p.m. that they put this out. They said an update on Corey. He's improving and feeling better and will hopefully be discharged from hospital and return home to Canberra tomorrow. We will provide further updates early in the week. Thanks to everyone for your concerns and thoughts tonight. It's much much appreciated. So that's good news there. Um. So yeah, I guess they'll have to get to the bottom of what happened. Um. And you know, like, who knows what it was. We, I can't re- ever remember in the NRL, in the top
0: grade, seeing something like that happen. No, no. I think there was talk that um, Wally Lewis sometimes had um, epileptic episodes while playing. And he used to... Pre- he, I remember him saying it somewhere, it might have been in a book or on a TV interview or something about it, or something along the lines of he would stay down mm-hmm. and like give the impression, I guess, or the idea was to give the impression that he was injured or something like that and he just needed mm-hmm. a bit of medical retention until he got back to his senses, and then he'd get back up and keep playing. Mm-hmm. And that seems crazy.
1: Yeah, that is. That's, uh, that's pretty full on that, but
0: because he actually underwent a, um, uh, an operation to, to his brain to try and remedy remedy it.
1: Yeah. Cause he had a, he had a, an instance cause he used to be the sports the sports newsreader on channel nine in Brisbane. And he mm. had an instance that happened live on air that's where right. was, you could see he was confused and, didn't really know what was going on for a moment and I I think that they cut away from it and went to commercial um and yeah sort of after that he's talked about it a lot more and and yeah he went under some sort of procedure but um you don't really hear about people having epilepsy these days like I feel you used to hey I don't know whether that's because they the medications that they have these days that control it so well or what but i feel like you used to hear about it more often than you do now
0: yeah i guess that's true i, I must admit i haven't thought haven't heard too much about it mm. um other than if it happens to someone in your family i mean outside of that you don't really hear it being mentioned in the media or anywhere and stuff like that yeah yeah but no it's um hopefully he's he's okay um and we're I not should. saying he, he has epilepsy. We just no, no, like, God no. Yeah, because um, the the seizure he had is one that I, I have seen. I think the only other time I can recall ever seeing someone having some sort of seizure on the field after you know playing rugby league was when Mark O'Neill got king hit from behind by Danny Williams. Hmm. This was two thousand and four. I think it was 2004, and it was the Tigers playing the Storm at Leichhardt, and it was that night, it was fucking freezing. And there'd been a bit of niggle between the two all game. And then after Mark O'Neill had made a tackle, he was running back to get onside, and Denny Williams played the ball. And after he played the ball, he chased after Mark O'Neill, while Mark O'Neill was still running back. Yeah, was sort of, and Mark
1: O'Neill was sort of looking away. He was looking down the defensive line almost. So yeah. yeah. And, and Williams come from his blind side.
0: And completely hit him from directly behind, right in the side of the temple. And I remember watching it because I was on the sideline in the stand right next to where it happened. Mm-hmm. And he hit the ground and he just started shaking. And you're like, that's not fucking good. Mm. And you knew it was completely KO'd. Mm-hmm. Um and the ref had no hesitation in just sending him, sending him off the field. Mm. Um, Williams got 22-week suspension for that, something like that. It was huge.
1: Yeah, I don't think he played in the NRL again after no, that.
0: From no, that was his last NRL game. I think yeah. he he had a deal with the Super League, or one of the English teams, might have been a championship team, and I'm mm. not even sure if he played for them either. Oh. I think after they saw that, they went, yeah, you know, we don't want that. Um, but O'Neill was out for a few weeks after that. It was a bit, Man, yeah, it was a sickening shot.
1: Yeah, that was that was uh man, it that's probably the last real thuggish thing I think I can remember happening in the NRL. Like they obviously you have fights and you have some things that you can say is dirty play and stuff, but that was like an that was like some seventies throwback thuggish oh, yeah. shit,
0: you know? That was brutal. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that's the only time I can think of something like that. But again, it's the, the unique difference though, is that there was a very, um, strong blow to the head, be it illegal Mm. or on, on, you know, or legal, whatever, you know, not, not that there's any blows that are legal, but you know, you could have a head knock or something like that, Mm. or might've been whiplash in a tackle, but there was none of that with Corey Harawira tonight. And that's the thing that's concerning. Mm. Um, so I hope, and I'm sure that he probably will have, you know, all sorts of scans, neurological scans and stuff like that to make sure that there's, he's okay. Um, but, yeah, let's might, might see if I can have a chat with um, Dr. Alan Pearce, see if he's got any insight on it and whether he knows anything more about what might have happened there.
1: Yeah, that, that sort of stuff, uh, That's it's so scary. Cause, yeah. like, it, when you get knocked out or you, you know, you get concussed or something, at least you can point to something and say, "Well, that's the the cause and effect." But uh, just the collapsing like that was—it's so so scary. And we've seen in other sports, and you and me were talking about this before the the podcast started, um, where players in other sports have collapsed and died from from a lot of the time it's from heart failure and when you hear about it happening on a footy field that you know you just hope that it's something that's not along those lines and you know thankfully from what they've said in the the tweets from the Canberra Raiders he's he's uh he's with it and he's all right as as all right as you can be you know and um. Yeah. It's, ho- hopefully they get to the bottom of whatever it was because that was scary. That was really scary.
0: Bloody nice. Um. St- still went on to be a pretty good game. South mm-hmm. scored. They got the game back, and then Canberra scored, and then kicked a uh a field goal with about twenty seconds to go because you never know you might lose in those twenty seconds. <laughs> and they won thirty three to twenty six. Um. Very entertaining game. It's good,
1: good to see, good to see. Damn, I can't believe I missed it. Hey, I I, I was just busy and, yeah, I only saw the the replay of what happened during... Uh...
0: Well, it's one of those games when the highlights will be so jam-packed, you'll get most of the game in them. Oh, really? Um, But, yeah, man, because a lot of the scoring happened in blocks, like one after the other and a bit of tit-for-tat and, you know, the scoring was quick and then it would go quiet and the fours just slugging it out. Mm-hmm. and it was a genuine war of attrition in the middle and then the ball goes wide and just a freak try and then another one in response or, you know, two in a row or something like that. Um, very good guy. You just, you just got a bit of everything in there. It was very entertaining and um, good quality performance from everyone. Another thing that was a bit odd, um, not really on the field, is in the post-match press conference. Everyone's obviously concerned about um, Corey Harbour and Nierer that uh, Jason Dimitri just spoke about his team and what they failed to do and how they failed to put the game away. And you thought, maybe whether you care or not, the smart thing to do is go, you know what, before I mention anything about my team, I just hope that Harry Near is okay and I, mm. I wish him all the best. No, I hope he's, he's not, not, didn't mention him at all. I thought, mm. That's interesting. Probably, probably could have handled that a bit better. Yeah. That, that's I'd, all I'm going to say. Like, you, you're not going to... I'm not going to shit on him too heavily, but just probably could have addressed that elephant in the room.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like I can see where like he, because it's funny. People kind of think that uh, football players and teams and stuff, they don't interact with each other. And I could see where maybe he was, you know, he before the press conference and all that, he was asking about it and, and that sort of thing. And he's like, Bang, I'll do this press conference and then go and and because he's got a job to do, he's got the rest of his job to do um and it just he was he was already already addressed that with other people, and he you know what I mean does that make sense
0: yeah um, yeah as i said i i I get that he was pretty much disappointed because, you know, South's got the lead with 10 minutes to go. And he probably would have thought, you know, we should be a chance of, uh, you know, closing this game out and, mm. and being the better team, given that we're at the top of the ladder. Um, but, yeah, still, I don't know. It just it just seemed a bit odd. I, I, no, I kind I of expected him to just say, you know, just mention this off the top and then go into your staff. And it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. I it doesn't that. really matter either way, but just you yeah, just seems like the right thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. I think you'll find that there'll be a lot of people bitching and moaning about it i I'm not that nasty about it. I just think it's you could've just said something that's all, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I get that um, is there anything else we need to go through
1: no i think I think we've covered a lot in the, the two
0: parts of the episode, hey? eventually, eventually, there's been a few breaks, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, you and you're fucking running. No, well I you know <laughs> Gotta do my cardio, bro. Let, let let's be honest. I'm just passing off the fact that it was me who was the reason for all of these pranking on you. Uh so I'm I'm gonna publicly apologize to you for the dramas that went on. Um I know you are not gonna worry about it, but uh yeah. We've got some more episodes coming up.
1: That's Imagine moment. if I was as angry as people think I am. <laughs>
0: He really is. Like, no, no, I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be drunk, but I always feel bad.
1: That's fine. It's yeah. fine.
0: Um, all right, well, I'll leave you to piece this whole piece of, uh, these <laughs> chunks of data together into one big chunk of data for everyone's ears. Um, and if anyone, anyone out there who isn't already, um, following us on Facebook, on Instagram or Facebook, Please go do that. That would be awesome. Share us around your networks. Um, Like and subscribe everywhere. Check out all the videos on YouTube. All of that would be brilliant and is uh, awfully helpful. And uh, we'll catch us all next time.